Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. Being able to essentially um, divorce my identity in, in terms of the label um, and sort of realize that I can just be myself and bring and embracing everything that I've done and bring it to the roles. And so the way that looks like is for ages, I was Scott, say founder of color space. And then, and now I'm just like, Oh, but if I'm Scott also acting CEO of leadership Victoria, oh, what kind of conflict does it create? And realizing afterwards, I can just be Scott. Welcome back to humans of purpose. We are proudly sponsored by Neon Treehouse, the best digital agency on the planet Earth. To learn more, just head to neontreehouse.com or hit the link in our show notes. We are also sponsored by Creole, who are the official drink of Humans of Purpose. As loyal Humans of Purpose listeners, you can enjoy a 15% discount on their tasty range of healthy sodas. Just hit the link in our show notes or head to creole.com.au. Click shop and enter discount code Humans of Purpose on checkout. Last week, I flagged the creation of our first Humans of Purpose WhatsApp group for anyone who wants an easy way to chat with fellow Humans of Purpose listeners and myself about any of our episodes, guests, community, topics of interest, and more. We're now going strong with about 25 wonderful contributors, and it's really a great place to connect with like-minded folk. The value out of joining the group is I can give you advance notice of who's going to be coming up on the podcast for that week, an early episode release link, and a brief audio note where I can share a bit more about the context and insights from each episode, giving you a look behind the scenes of production. I've popped the link in the show notes, and you can just click that from your phone or computer and join in on the action. Before doing so, please check out our community guidelines, um, which you can also find in the show notes via the link there. Our guest on the pod this week is Scott Coe. Scott Coe wears many hats and sometimes more than I think I can remember. But don't mistake this for thinking Scott is overstretched. He's the consummate high performer across each of his roles and we spend some time talking about our shared challenges in this respect. I got to know Scott many years ago through passing each other regularly in the corridors of DHHS when I was a policy advisor and he was a consultant. Scott is now the acting CEO of Leadership Victoria, standing in for my mate and podcast favourite Sally Hines. Leadership Victoria is an innovative, independent social enterprise. Their vision is purposeful leadership for an inclusive, equitable and sustainable society and they exist to foster leadership that inspires, connects and transforms. Doing the Williamson program in 2019 was a real game changer in my personal and leadership journey and I've made some lifelong friends there too. Scott is also the founder of Colour Space Gallery, a social enterprise that helps emerging artists get a foot in the door by changing the way people engage with art. We transform businesses and corporate offices into galleries filled with art from emerging artists that is changed on a seasonal basis. That's the mission statement, of course. It was great having Scott on the pod. He is a deep thinker with profound ideas to offer up, and he's also a master at execution, a rare combination. This is a really riveting conversation for me, and I think you'll find the same. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Scott as much as I did. Scott, I'm so happy we could finally make this happen. Welcome to my house and to Humans of Purpose, mate. Mate, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this all week. You know, <laughs> uh, we've 
you know, outside of this, we've had some such great conversations. And I just, these days, I find myself so nourished by conversations, by free-flowing conversations where we get to explore stuff at length. And so love the love the podcast, love the conversations, and yeah, so so hyped for this. You're a kind man. I remember it was only a few years ago we were hanging out in um must have been Inspire Nine together. Yeah. <laughs> just admiring all those uh startup people doing great things. And um I just heard a really good quote that made me think of this situation. Tell me what you pay attention to and I'll tell you who you are. And mm. I think you and I have shared a really similar, interesting journey, like mm. through consulting, through the public service, um, through that kind of space, and then feeding into social entrepreneurship. And now you're doing a couple of amazing things with um, LV being acting CEO, but also the founder of Color Space. Heaps to cover there. I've teed you up with a lot. Why don't we start by talking a bit about your interesting journey, which kind of is, mirrors mine a bit, uh, so I'll indulge myself too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, just how you made your, your way to sort of being in these really important dual roles in your life. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a great question because these days I've found myself to become one of those people where people say, hey, so what do you do? I'm like, I don't know how to answer this question anymore. <laughs> yep. um, like I do all these different things and it's always been a little bit of a struggle and and, and we'll, we'll sort of use that as a bit of foreshadowing because I want to come back to you on that one too. Uh, let's not deconstruct me. I think <laughs> everyone will stop listening. Okay, so I guess in my background, my formative background, um, I started off as a management consultant, especially uh, I started off at Accenture, did a lot of tech consulting at that point. And truth be told, I didn't quite understand what I was doing then, there for two and a half years, learned a few things, but then decided to move on, did a master's of marketing, and then decided, you know what, I really want to do something that has an impact on um, the local community. Uh, and so I joined another management consulting firm called Cube Group. And this is where I probably stayed the most amount of time. And it was management consulting for the government, for state government, for local councils. And what really drew me to it was that there was something to do with the local community. You know, mm. I went through this weird phase at the time. I loved talkback radio. and <laughs> Who doesn't? John, John Fain? <laughs> exactly, John Fain. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I did was because I, I became so interested in just the way people were thinking, yep. how communities think, how people interact together. And that's always been a deep fascination of mine. So anyway, I did that for a few years. I did also have a side hustle at the time, my first startup, which was called Meal Dish. And this was during the era where Inspire9 was just getting started. And so everyone's doing startup stuff. And I thought, oh yeah, maybe I can do something as well. That didn't quite get anywhere, um, and, but it was, I learned a lot from it. Then carry forward a few, forth a few more years when I went back to Cube and I realized, well, there's, there's more that I want to be able to do. You know, Cube, the, the work that was done at Cube was fantastic, mm. but I, I guess I reached a point where I just thought, what else can I do to challenge myself? And I distinctly remember this point where I thought, I want to go somewhere where I have no experience whatsoever. I want to take everything I've learned and just see what else I can make of myself. You're like one of those people that goes out into the wilderness in alone. I'm not <laughs> sure if you've ever seen that show. And they're like, I'm just going to try and survive out here in this barren wilderness I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. I, I actually remember there was a very distinct moment that kind of inspired some of that. Uh, where at that time I was trying to think, oh, where else could I go? Could I go into the private sector perhaps? Could I try something different? And I spoke to the recruiter who uh, specializes in getting management consultants into the public, uh, into the private sector. Are they like, just be more normal? <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you this story, right? So they, 
this this person looked at my, I guess, history and said, oh, well, in eight years' time, you've gone from consultant to senior consultant. You must either not be very good or you must not be very ambitious. Or that's the way the machine works. Exactly. Mm. And that was, well, I mean, once I picked up the broken pieces of my ego, I sort of realized I need to kind of own my journey and own my trajectory. Do you think you had a lot more ego before? I, I think there was definitely a bit of that because I thought, oh, you know, I've done all this great work. I mean, and, and to give additional context, by this stage, I was doing things like looking after the project management for the NDIS rollout, yep. for example. So it's I was pretty doing high some, level, high responsibility stuff. Precisely. So there were things that I thought, oh, I can, I can do these things, right? And to hear something like that and – I mean, it wasn't quite true in the sense that I knew there were things that I had achieved and this was a different perspective from someone else who didn't really know me, right? But I realized that there was more that I wanted to kind of find out how far I can go. And further to that, to continue to build on like my interest in community, I wanted to say, what can I do that's something that pushes beyond me? Can I create systems that have broader impact? So I was already, and I didn't really know it at the time, but I was already leaning into that social enterprise world. You know, like I wasn't just interested in starting some just random business. I yep. wanted to go, can I put in place something that is meaningful for me and for others as well? I think that's also a bit why like Cube was a good fit for you because that sort of public value focus was really one thing that I felt stood out from the, from the early days. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why it was a really great place. Mm. I really enjoyed the work that I did there. Anyway, around that time, I was sitting in the office and I thought, ah, oh, we've, we've got this person that comes in and they change um, fake flowers in the corner. That's interesting. Why are we paying for this? And, but the artwork on the wall, that never changed. And I thought, well, is this something that I could do? Could I work with local artists and say, hey, what if we changed art in an office instead? And that was the idea of color space. That's the, 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 this, this idea of what if I could turn offices into galleries and at the same time be able to support local artists, you know? It's such a beautiful idea. And like, I love the organic way that that came to you as well. Mm. Um, were there other models out there that you kind of saw where this was like being done or was it like, you know, it's very hard to discover something that's um, entirely novel these days. Um, what was your kind of desktop research journey like? Uh, I looked as far as I could around the world, actually. So art leasing is nothing particularly new, but um, the idea of change, that was something that, I, that was new. I, I couldn't find anyone that did anything like it. But the thing that really attracted me to the idea was that it was something that's ongoing. It, it, and, and I think why I became really attracted to it was this idea that, you know, people, especially if you look at us through COVID, we've all been in this one environment, but humans aren't sort of designed to stay in one environment, mm. in one environment, there needs to be change. And so I thought, oh, what if I could create that as a change? And then in doing so, we're just creating ongoing opportunities for artists to get their works out there. And it becomes a different way to support, you know, local artists. So you've sort of laid on like a really nice social purpose um, element to what was already something that was kind of happening, but not in a way that really promoted local artists. Mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I did that for a good uh, probably two and a half years or so. There were, oh, no, let me rephrase that. There was about two and a half years of not knowing what on earth I was doing, 
there was a lot of fumbling around trying to try this out, try that out, as with any sort of startup journey. And eventually I found my stride and I started to understand more and more. I took all the learnings and mistakes that I made from my first startup, Mildish, mm. and applied it through. And so that was what then helped me to kind of really actually start to accelerate it. I started to better understand um, who I was talking to, why I was doing these things, finding that purpose, yeah. right, so to speak. And then that was an interesting journey because um, – we start off sometimes with an idea of here's the thing that I want to do, but then in doing it, we then realize that there's actually something else. Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, did you have a background in art or was it something you had to learn? It was something that I had to learn. Fascinating. So I, and, and this was a really interesting thing, right? I didn't have a background in art. I did make sure I was surrounded myself by artists. And, in fact, I was one of those people that used to go to a gallery and go, I didn't get this. What, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah. And, and I thought... It's totally well, me right now. <laughs> but we're sitting here next to a beautiful piece of artwork. True. So. Commissioned by yours truly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a prince in like uh, 16th century France or something, you know, ah. commissioned piece of work. <laughs> and, and But the thing that I found really interesting was that whenever I would speak to artists and they'd say, do you have a background in art? And I'd say, no, they'd all just go, fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. There were so many of them that said, we need different perspectives. I totally would have assumed that conversation would have gone the other way. No, I mean, that's the thing, right? And that's, that's where it, you know, it really helped me understand that there was a role that I could play in this, that it is being able to draw on all these different experiences in the past in order to um, bring to bear in a, in a particular area. So just beyond the practical application, which makes a lot of sense of changing artwork to, you know, like inv- enliven an environment, do you, did you think much about sort of like the, the positive health benefits or a lot of the well-being impacts? Yeah, I did. And, and this is one of the things that um, well, we, we know from different research, even the, uh, the World Health Organization, 2019, they did a, one of those broad spanning aggregate studies of all the research they could possibly find. I think it was like about a thousand studies or so. And it basically demonstrated the benefits of art, right, on um, mental health, on well-being. But it goes a little bit beyond that, I think. You know, to me, art represents ideas. It represents perspectives. Um, it represents storytelling and emotion. It represents, you know, the history. For certain cultures, it's about, it's about capturing history and, you know, preserving those types of stories. And the idea of color space changing art in an environment isn't to bring a picture on a wall. It's to bring these different perspectives through. It's yeah. to bring different ideas through. And you see, within that- so that's it's about creativity. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But within that, there's, a, there's an interesting bit of, uh, call it almost psychology and structure to it, which is that it's hard to for people who are sitting in an office, for example, or sitting in a space to think in those terms. And so what we realized we had to do was talk about, well, by creating an environment that changes, what does that do for people? Yep. I always think about the um, the study that was done. Um, don't remember which hospital it was, where they had a sort of a randomised control trial where they had um, half of the hospital that was facing the concrete car park, the other half of the hospital was facing a green garden, and then they looked at the recovery rates from the you know similar illnesses, and they I think they found something crazy like the the patients who were looking at the window at greenery recovered much faster than the patients who were looking at a car park. And I mean, I know it's not the same, but to me that tells me a lot about what you're doing and my be like any a useful analogy 
hundred uh, percent is, and that's that's I think the the truth of it is, you know, these days it can be so easy to talk about um, whether it's technology, whether it is, or especially now we're we're talking about a post pandemic world, we're talking about working from home, we're talking about a hybrid, but at the end of the day, it is still humans, right? We are still humans, and we each think differently, and all those types of things. So doing changing something like art is is not just again about the decoration; it is about that sort of human engagement. So, anyways, I've been doing color space for a few years, uh, and then during the pandemic, when every and well, I mean, I'm, I'm a facility services provider at a time when facilities were shut down, <laughs> and I thought, ah, oh, what else could I do? And that's when I sort of really went deep. I, I kind of reflected on different ideas and different things and what else I could do to take that essence of what Color Space was about and, you know, about perspectives and apply them somewhere else. And this, that's where I realized the thing that I've always been really fascinated in, in is perspectives. It is um, exploring different ways of being and reflecting on my own journey as well. And it's around this time that an opportunity with Leadership Victoria appeared and I thought, ah, oh, I, I was a graduate of one of the programs, the Start Leading program mm. back in 2019. And I feel like this is something that just feels naturally aligned. Yeah. And there was just that moment where I sort of realized, firstly, I think this is an area where I could help people. Mm. And then a week later, the ad appeared. So for those who don't know, tell us a bit about Leadership Victoria and, and the role that it plays. Yeah, absolutely. So Leadership Victoria is a social enterprise as well. And what we do is provide um, different types of programs that help uh, develop purposeful leadership for a inclusive, equitable and sustainable society. Now, what does all of that really mean? It means that we look at individuals and we look at people and we sort of say, you know, anybody can lead. Leadership is a behavior, right? It's not a title. It's not a position. Mm. It's not something that's, you know, that is that someone says, yeah, I'm going to be a leader now. I can do these types of things. And it looks at the behaviors there and saying, how can we empower this? How can we, how can we cultivate this even more so that these leaders can then go out and have greater impact in the community. Now that could be within the people they work with, but even beyond that. So for example, in Leadership Victoria, we have a strong alignment with the UN SDGs, but in order for us to make progress against them, we do need um, people who are willing to demonstrate better leadership. Mm. So, and, and to be able to show that, again, it's not just whoever is has a C-suite title or whatever it might be. It could be anybody as long as they can understand how they can do it. And so that's why the program's very – the programs, in particular the, the signature program, Williamson. That's the one I'm a graduate that's of. the one that you're WCLP a graduate of. WCLP 2019, what was? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and and so you'll you'll um, appreciate this, right? It's the oh, programs man. is is it's not the standard program. It's highly unconventional, but that's why I think it worked so well for me because I'm a bit unconventional. But like just little things like the mental models, behaviors, and theory of you know social interaction and kind of power and all these in- interesting things was just terrific. And I mean, even, even just um, little things that I think about all the time is, you know, are we on the balcony or are we on the dance floor? Which mm-hmm. is a very, very good kind of thing that comes from Leadership Victoria, which is like sort of the big question of uh, are we in the weeds or are we in the clouds? You know, like what's our perspective on this take? You know, where, where should we be? 
And that's exactly it. And, and, and as, as you sort of pointed out, those things are complex questions. It needs a great deal of self-awareness. It needs a great deal of being able to take on different perspectives. Mm. It needs being able to reflect on our respective journeys. And for yourself, you've, you've had also such a varied journey as well. Yep. It's bringing all of that together to bear and saying, oh, what else can I do in how we demonstrate our, you know, yeah. our behaviors to create sort of further impact. And, you know, some of the principles that are taught are, you know, being able to deal with uncertainty, mm. being able to really look at what a problem is, being able to live in the gray. Yep. And Living in the gray, that's a spectacular one to expand on maybe. Mm, mm, mm. And, but you can sort of see now that um, this fascination with this type of behavior is for me was something that was very, you know, it's interlinked with oh, it's, everything it's that I've done before. incredibly seductive. Uh, I mean, I, I have one of my best friends is a leadership consultant and I don't really understand what he's saying most of the time, but um, it sounds very seductive and mm. I want to know more. Mm. You know, I, I sort of, ha- it has that impact on me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, <laughs> living in the gray is an interesting one. I always have this conversation with my wife, Louise. You know, she's very black and white. She's a medical professional and they tend to be very black and white thinkers. Mm. It's either diagnosed or not diagnosed. The patient's either sick or they're well. You know, they're either dead or they're alive. Um, not a lot of gray. And I think, you know, for me, I've always just been immersed in gray. I never know, like, I, I never know whether I'm sure about something and I'm always happy to be proven wrong. Mm. So being in the grey is a very natural thing for me. But I, yeah, I really enjoyed seeing uh, people open up and really embrace mental flexibility as part of their leadership journey on that program. A lot Mm. of your conventional black and white thinkers really um, understanding that uh, everything's on a spectrum. That's right. And and I think these days it's needed even more so, you know. I I, I was listening to um, some of your earlier guests and – the thing that comes out is that incredible diversity of ideas and thoughts, right? And truly embracing that, you know, because diversity these days is such a, a, a big word. Yeah, you know, it's every- almost uh, token, tokenized a little bit. Exactly. Mm. And one of the things I've been thinking about is this idea of, you know, well, how do you get beyond that tokenization, you know? And, and I always wonder if a good measure of diversity is actually positive conflict. Yes. You know, because it's about the different ideas. It's about saying that with different people in the room, Mm. people will have different opinions. So, which is what we want. That's the whole point. You know, when we, when we introduce those sort of um, targets to bring different people together, it's because we want to embrace that. Yeah. And I think a point just to build on your point, I think a really important part of diversity, people get very obsessed with gender diversity. Mm. It sort of like dominates the entire space, but you know, uh, intellectual or cognitive diversity is so important. Like experience diversity is very important. Um, there are things that are demographic that are just attributes. They don't tell you a whole lot about a person. Um, but, I mean, having people with wildly different views on things and wildly different experiences and wildly different backgrounds, I think that's for me where the magic happens. Mm. Um, and, and I think um, I'd love to see more debate at board and leadership level about um, – mindset diversity Mm. you know what what kind of mindsets could we bring together that are quite different to generate the best ideas and you know action plans that's i think you've put that really beautifully Mm. right because again when we look i mean in in your experience you you would have seen quite a quite a lot of this right i mean you've interviewed so many different people to be able to bring you know and you you'll see people there where um 
on paper, they might look similar. But yeah. actually you get them in the chair, you get them to talk and the mindsets become really different. Oh, yeah. very So different. But, but it's also like um, people get tricked by appearances. Like sometimes I think it would be good if we were all a bit blind and a bit deaf so we wouldn't just obsess on traits and say this is a person who is white or black or Indian or, you know, Asian. Uh, none of that stuff matters when you're in a conversation at all. And maybe podcasting is an interesting medium because we don't have that. So, you know, you're not watching a video of, you know, and, you, and you'll have like your automatic subconscious filters on about, you know, who Mike is and who Scott is. We're two people now who are just having a conversation um, based on our own individual experiences. And I think um, what you do realise from doing a lot of this type of work, uh, shouldn't call it work because it's really just curiosity and fun, um, is that um, people, the way we define people is just so outdated and irrelevant, even subconsciously. Um, you know, everyone has interesting ideas. It's just about trying to find that and, you know, be really good at drawing that out, no matter who the person is. That's, I think that's, again, really beautifully put. And that's why um, something like Leadership Victoria and the programs that are taught in there, and uh, again, through Williamson, for mm. example, it is about eliciting all of those things. And so you can sort of see now how, uh, for me, that um, journey from going from consulting through to color space, through to all my various other little bits and bobs in between, which mm. is all about those perspectives, is bringing all of that together. And so nowadays, yes, I am uh, currently in the acting CEO seat, whilst Sally, uh, who's the current CEO, is on parental leave. We love Sally. Big yes. shout out to Sally and hope she's having a good parental leave time. Yes. Hi, Sally. Hope you're, <laughs> hope you're, hope you're doing well. <laughs> Everything at LV is going fine. <laughs> Don't rush back. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's terrific and great um, former guest on the podcast as well. So if anyone listening, check out the episode with Sally Hines. I'll pop a link in the show notes for that one. Um, yeah, terrific organization, but it kind of begs the question and, you know, I have the same um, kind of um, – I guess you say duality of nature and purpose. You know, you've got color space and you've got LV where you've got a, a you know, the, the big seat as well. How do you kind of think about yourself and your own competency and capability and even identity in the midst of having like two quite different streams to your existence? Oh, mate, that's an amazing question. And the honest answer was that it took me a while to really get comfortable with that um, because – here I am running, firstly, a business that's in the art space, right? It's a facility services, logistics, you know, it's a bit of a startup. And now all of a sudden I'm over in Leadership Victoria and it's a leadership development um, or leadership development programs. It's, a, it's, a, it's on another social enterprise as well. And then also um, when I sort of stepped into the acting CEO seat, which again, is a fantastic opportunity, there was quite a bit of stress around well, how do people perceive this? Mm. And I think it's it's hard to get away from that because I mean the 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 conventional wisdom might be you know it's all about us it's you know you got to own it but it it's easy to say that yeah but it's, it's hard to really kind of go yeah I'm going to embrace you know why things. Scott because people when they meet you the first thing they say so what do you do mm. and um, it's a very bizarre question because it's it's posed in the singular. So not, not what are you doing generally, what is the one thing you do? And I think it's 
it's just a weird question because so many people now live a bit like yourself, not to the same extreme of, you know, dual seniority that way, but, um, you know, people are complex and they do many different things. Mm. It's just a really limiting kind of way to meet people. Mm. Well, I want to ask you um, on, on that. So I'll, I'll wrap, I'll um, quickly talk about myself, but then I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Okay. So, so for me, where I eventually landed was being able to essentially um, divorce my identity in, in terms of the label mm-hmm. um, and sort of realize that I can just be myself and bring and embracing everything that I've done and bring it to the roles. And so the way that looks like is, for ages, I was Scott, say, founder of Color Space, and then and now I'm just like, oh, but if I'm Scott, also acting CEO of Leadership Victoria, oh, what kind of conflict does it create? And realizing afterwards, I can just be Scott, yeah. And it just so happens that I also have these two hats. And when I realized that, or when I was able to adopt that mindset, it meant I could be free to jam ideas from everywhere. And that has been one of the most interesting experiences to be able to um, sit at Leadership Victoria. And I'm very transparent about that. You know, I do have other um, commitments that I also look after and being able to say, hey, here's something that I learned over in color space that I can apply here and fully embracing all of the mistakes that I've made there or all of the learnings that I've had and then using that to help something like Leadership Victoria and vice versa mm. as well. And so these days I come back to, you know, either that, even that very first question you asked me, what, you just tell us about your journey. Like, what do I do now? Like, I just think these days I just do many things, you know, I'm interested in perspectives and I'm interested in bettering myself and helping others. And I do that through Leadership Victoria. And I do that through. That's how you manifest that. And exactly. I, I think like, it w- wouldn't it be cool to live in a place where the, the conversation started off being, um, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like, mm. what ca- what captivates you right now? Mm. Rather than what do you do? Exactly. I would like that. I mean, the way I kind of you know deal with the same thing is <laughs> I was telling you before we started recording that um, I have this weird thing where people think that I'm a full time podcaster. They don't realise that podcasting nets me about one hundred and fifty dollars a month and costs about six hundred plus every month to yeah. produce. So um, you know, call it a social enterprise, call it what you will, but it's really probably about three to five percent of my week um but it's weird when that smaller part of who you are but actually is a big part of your identity becomes how people know you Mm. and they don't remember that you like they don't realize that you have a full-time job and you've been you know not-for-profit executive um for like you know six plus years so how do you how do you bring that through then because i i know because it's so easy right like we're on a age of social media so we we see the headlines as it appears in our linkedin feed or twitter feed or whatever that might be yeah right how do you then bring your other bits into into play yeah so one piece of advice that i really liked that i heard early on in the podcasting career was with um lord mayor sally cap and um, she's, you know, fantastic. Um, look her up, one of our episodes early on in the piece. And she, I said to Sally, you know, like how do you kind of maintain yourself across so many different things? And she said, it's easy. I'm just Sally all the time, basically. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Why can't I just work on being Mike all the time as Mike across the different hats that I wear? And that way I don't have to deal with the transaction cost of shifting identity because I'm just the same person in every role. Mm. Um, but I just 
I'd act differently and appropriately and, and, you know, according to the requirements of the role and the context. But um, it's a lot easier to live uh, authentically as the same person than it is to try and, like, like you're in a Dick Tracy movie, put a disguise on and then go somewhere else. That, that's right. That's right. And I think there's something really um, interesting about what you just described there, mm. which is that the perception of judgment from others yep. is in our own minds. Mm-hmm. You know, like out there, everyone might see you as something, yep. but we know that that's quite shallow, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the idea of, oh, I have to present a certain way it's, it's not really true. It's just, it's a, almost like a projection. Mm-hmm. And so when, for me, like the same thing, like showing up as Scott, that full embracement um, of that yeah. allows so much more yeah. to happen. Yeah, totally. And I, I think it's it enables you great consistency and also like uh, almost like a reclamation of the whole self. So, you know, you, you recognize that you don't need to splinter into different kind of people to do different things mm. you can harness all the things that you've learned as you said across the various disciplines um like there's a lot that i learned from podcasting that i use every day in my work life um you know how to have conversations how to meet people how to open people up um you know how to learn from people and how to you know do all kinds of things and same way it goes the other way like you know things that you learn from managing a team at work or you know leading a giant project and then you think well you know do i have enough of a that approach in my podcasting you know so it's reflexive but i think that's um yeah the people that i've spoken to on this podcast and generally who i admire the most do multiple things and all of those things have a compounding effect making them better at everything they do separately Mm. And I and I think the the one thing that I've learned uh, perhaps only recently is being able to look at that um, journey, that zigzagging journey, and being able to find like the underlying whether it's a true north, whether it's you know a, a purpose, something that connects all of that, and that's something that takes so much time. Yeah. You know? Prior, like two years ago, I would look back at my history and be like, "What am I doing?" I've done this. I've done an art thing. I've done this consulting thing. I've done this tech startup. I've done this financial literacy app. I've, yep. done, I've done this other little bits and bobs here and there. What is all of it in aid of? And it takes a constant amount of reflection of yeah. being able to kind of expand more and go, well, again, I'm not defined by each of those things. Oh, yeah. And I think it's also about like, coming to terms with your personal narrative and mm. like um, it's easier, it's much easier to kind of explain your journey when it's grounded in things like purpose and innate beliefs and like about the world or what you want to see change mm. because that's stuff that's kind of constant. What you do might be different, but if your purpose is to um, improve community or to, to build social cohesion or to, to live through purpose, you can do that in many forms and you can, the story stays the same. That's right. And, and I think there's, again, something linking that statement to the idea of living in the gray. Yeah. Right. Because I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of discussion these days around like, what's your purpose? What's your yeah. purpose? Right. Yeah. And it can create certain stresses where it's like, well, if I haven't been able to find my purpose or articulate my purpose, then what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and that can be quite stressful. Whereas as we would know, it's whatever we find today, it might change. Yeah, and also, also like the, that cognitive diversity piece as well. Like I really think that there's people who get up, I know there's people who get up in the morning and they've never thought, they don't know what a personal purpose is. Like they just get up and do th- things because they that's the course they were on or they just seem to enjoy it. Mm. Like I've got a mate who's um, a really good real estate agent and um, 
you know, I've never asked him about his personal purpose, but I'm sure he just likes the job, you know? It's, it excites him. Markets excite him. Sales excite him. You know, like uh, understanding market movements, clients. It's, it can sometimes just be a collection of things mm. that all together are quite fun for you. And then you never have to think about a purpose at all. Yeah, that's I sometimes right. have fantasies about being that guy, you know? <laughs> so do I. Yeah. Sometimes I just, I just think, oh, man, I, I think I think too much about yeah. all of these things. Yeah. Well, I think we both probably uh, are overthinkers, but I think it's also like, you know, you've got to think of it as um, – it can be tricky and like, yeah, I liked what you said before about running without music as being your, your new thing is sort of like understanding that we need the mental quiet sometimes. Mm. Oh, so, so, okay. So I'll, to bring a bit of context onto mm. this one. Um, so I, I've been thinking about um, how do I try to find some space for myself, mm-hmm. right? And so what I decided to do was in the mornings, um, I wanted to get up and go for a run, right? I hate running. Oh yeah, we all, I, no I one really no one enjoys running. Let's just clarify that. Unless you're a <laughs> marathon freak, no one actually enjoys running. And but the extra challenge I wanted to sort of set for myself was to be able to run without headphones. So I wanted to kind of explore like what that experience might be, and it's turned out to be something that's been really um, actually quite nourishing. Now, now that I've done it, I still don't like running, yeah. but there's something around. Um, letting my mind go off into all of the different areas so of like chaos. you're freely associating basically while you run or like are you, do you consciously try and remain mindless or do you try and be mindful or do you just freely associate? Freely associate. Yeah. I think I'm, for me, I'm at, at that point now where I know that my vibe, like I know that I'm a bit of a thinker. Yeah. And whilst I've done different practices such as meditation, such as mindfulness, you know, the stillness of the mind, I know that I actually find greater peace by letting my mind do what it wants to do. Yeah. And so those are the times where uh, some of my best ideas come out. It's mm. kind of like being in the shower, you know, oh, totally. best ideas or sometimes I'll set myself a thought, like here's a challenge that I'm experiencing at the moment and I just go for a run. And along the way, I, you know, I'm surrounded by nature or as much as nature is, is reasonable in suburbia, um, surrounded by the birds. And so I'll let myself go off in all these different distraction points. It's a type of flow of sorts, right? Do you feel that you need to like frantically ever write stuff down? Because that's what happens with me. I have my phone with me. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, so that I can narrate something if something appears. And then specifically, I would stick that onto a compost heap and I, I call it my compost heap. And then maybe once a week or once a fortnight, I'll come to that compost heap and then pass it, basically. Is it a, like a metaphorical or literal compost heap? <laughs> a metaphorical okay. compost heap. Okay, cool. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an app that I might use. Um, the one I use is called Rome Research and it's just a great um, build a second brain type of a situation. And so it's there so that I can reflect on all these ideas. And the the real joy to that has been that is where I'm a, I'm trying to let all of my different experiences come together. Um, and you know I'll I'll run along and I say, okay, here's a, a challenge that we might be experiencing. It's it's, it's pandemic times. There's some challenges here. Um, I'm ex- I'm observing conflict in these different areas. All right, let's just have a think about that. And my mind will wander off into a million different places. And then as a result of that come up with some sort of a solution or some yeah. sort of a perspective. It's kind of like an integration that happens with deep sleep maybe. Yeah, exactly. Something yeah. like that. And I think there's something around that and, the again, the bringing it back to our diversity of, of experiences mm. that 
that's what that's why I think you know there, there's such a, a great uh, joy, and I also think a great um, I want to say it's a need, but I think why we should encourage more like different experiences and encouraging people to embrace all the experiences because the more of those we have the more we draw on those things, right? The more totally. we draw on them to find different ways of thinking. And I think like also just encouraging people to do more than one thing, like don't, you know, it's like if you're advising someone about how to invest, like don't put everything in one thing, diversify. Mm. So uh, I'm sure the experience was similar for you in color space, but for me just starting purposeful, the consultancy and, you know, also humans of purpose and keeping going with that through full-time work, um, you kind of, fast track so much mm. and like you just get you just get this entire body of knowledge that you can use that you, you didn't have before mm. um, and it's useful in everything did you when you were doing things like purposeful and um humans of purpose the, the podcast yeah alongside your work did it did it feel like an obligation for you did it yeah. feel like work yeah i remember what happened vividly um i got told by my wife um if you're going to do this startup stuff you have to also have a job yeah. so which is very smart advice because as you know consulting takes a year from meeting someone to get the piece of work usually so you're not going to have work when you start um so i got a job at a not-for-profit um, a couple of days a week while i was using the other days to grow the business and run the podcast um, and then this sort of hits a point where you have to make a decision about what you're going to invest yourself in more. Um, I have this theory that you can't really do more than three or four things well. Uh, the minute that you go beyond that, some people would say it's two, but I, I think, you know, for me it was I have to drop one thing, like to progress in my career and to really make the most of where I'm heading. Um, you know, it's either the podcast goes or the consulting goes because I was really enjoying my not-for-profit role. Mm. And um, the consulting, to be honest, was an easy one to drop because it was just so much work. Um, you know, I, I think I had a really nice idea for what it would be. And then when it was like the hustle, the grind, doing all the marketing and all the kind of sales and then delivery yourself with a small support team um, was just too much on top of trying to impress this not-for-profit and run a good podcast. Mm. When I when I took the consulting out of my mix, everything got better. Mm. It was I think it must have been 2019 when I made that decision to shut up the consultancy um, and, you know, it basically made my career much better and it made my podcast much better and I don't miss, you know, we, we use the, the, um, the retained uh, revenue to build the podcast but also, you know, pay off some of the mortgage. So, nice. you know, like I think, I think you've got to realise one big learning for me is realising when you're doing too many things and therefore you're bad at everything. Yeah. It's a really humiliating realisation. I remember we're on a, beat, we're on a holiday um, in Australia pre-pandemic and I just said to Louise, like, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm terrible at everything I do. How did I get here? Mm. <laughs> and like, how do I turn this around? And it was just simple maths. You've got to, you've got to, too many things that are sucking up your brain and your stress. Mm. You need to drop one of them. Mm. So, kill one of your kids. Which ones are going to be? <laughs> not literally. Not literally. <laughs> Definitely not literally. Um, but I think that's just so so interesting because I think it's one of those things where it's you know a, 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 again about the grey, right? Like you don't know those things until you go and do it yeah, until you right. kind of go through that crucible of what it means to go through um having to shut something down you know because it brings our ego into it and that's that's so it's so hard to be you know we're grappling with ourselves 
on this. You know, there's there's our pride, there's all the experience. But sometimes um, if we don't go down that pathway, we won't have built up that type of experience. You mm. know, like it, it, I almost think of thought these days as, you know, like a pattern of thought, of the, the, the shape of doing that, uh, of, of um, going down um, the consultancy and then closing it and then shutting it down. That pattern of thought allows you to apply that elsewhere, right? And oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's the thing that sort of, it's not you've gone on a path, you come back and that's wasted. It's actually the distance travel to go there and come back. Oh, yeah. You've learned what doesn't work. Yeah. And I think that's so powerful. And, and that's the thing that, you know, we come back to this idea of, you know, when we embrace everything that we do about ourselves, our purpose, our, all that type of stuff, and as we continue to journey down that path, yeah. right, it's being able to acknowledge all of those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's just a, a, a huge um, value or premium to be placed on, you don't, it's not, we don't live in the old economy anymore. You don't mm. need to rely on others to give you experience. You can go and make your own experience and that becomes your experience. That's why we have startups and social enterprise and the whole ecosystem now. So yeah, if there's any message in this, it's just go and make, pick your, like your hundred ideas that are on your compost heap and whittle them down to two or three and pick the one that you like the most Yeah, um, and have a go. Yeah. And just continuing to learn along the way, mm. right? I, I, I made, I gave this uh, talk the other day to to EY, and I, I said that the idea of owning your journey, right? It's not, hey, this is the thing I'm going to achieve. I'm going to go ham in that direction, and that might work for some people. But what's more important of the idea of owning your journey? It's the owning part of it. It's owning every part of it. Yeah. Owning the ups, owning the downs owning what it means to learn from something like that and then bring that to bear um, and then apply it everywhere. And if I wrap that back towards, you know, my time at Leadership Victoria, my time in this role, um, again, it is, it is like what sort of Sally Cap was saying. Like I, I'm, I'm, I never really wake up and think, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to CEO so hard today. <laughs> like it just, it's just not a thing, you know. Like it, it's about saying, okay, well, I've got all these experiences I want to be able to make today better than yesterday or create a community or a system or an organization or people, whatever it might be, whoever I work with, I want to make them better, right? And I do that by trying to make myself better. And I think that's the, you know, that's that through line between everything that I've done previously through to color space, through to Leadership Victoria, and, you know, walking that particular talk, walking that, you know, demonstrating that lived behavior, so to speak. And that's why, you know, the the, the programs that, that Leadership Victoria are about, for example, and again, through Williamson, this is mm. the same thing. You know, I, I observe people who come out of that program and it is that expansion almost oh, know, yeah. of experience. Yeah, I think there's a uh, self-actualization that happens through that process, but then there's also like um, – you know, we could call this uh, episode the, the the unification of Scott Kerr. <laughs> so we've we've gone down a road or an interesting arc where we've talked about the things that you do separately. We've mm. talked about how you, you've joined together and come together and, you know, made the most of the experience and become who you are today. Um, on that note, let's wrap up because we, we need to go and eat dinner. <laughs> so uh, let, let's quickly, how can people learn more about your work at LV, first of all, mm -hmm. and connect with you? And, and also color space. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
do check out, if, if anything that we've spoken about today is resonant for anyone who's listening to this, check out leadershipvictoria.org. Um, that's where you can find out a little bit about, a little bit about these programs. Um, if you're interested in understanding about that art world and what we've done, check out colorspace.gallery. But in terms of, I guess, the um, if you want to find out more specifically about um, some of the experiences that I've had, I've been I've started a practice of documenting this. Um, so just go check out scottco.com, just my website, and there I've tried to um, fully embrace everything that we've spoken about. This idea of um, capturing all these different experiences together and then bringing it to bear in order to create impact, in order to do whatever it might be. So that's probably the easiest way. And of course, you know, the, the typical socials, LinkedIn, whatever, just like and subscribe. Former consultants are always going to find you on LinkedIn. But um, <laughs> how do you like it when people contact you? Are you happy for people to reach out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, it's, I, I would be such a hypocrite if I didn't encourage people to make these connections happen because I, it's – that's how we met. You reached out to me. I on remember, LinkedIn. bro. I saw you in the corridors of the Department of Health, and I was like, "Who's that guy? He's looking at me a bit odd." And then um, I realised you're at Q, and I just—I think I wrote you an email saying, "Hey, I'm at the department. You want to catch up?" And That's um, right. yeah, you were doing a project there, and I was working there. And um, yeah, I, I think like yeah, one thing I've learned, my biggest lesson over all this time is always reach out to people you want to meet, and just do it. Don't don't have any fear. No, absolutely. That's a fantastic message and a fantastic lesson. Mm. Mate, thanks so much for joining me. Let's go eat. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word of mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com. 